0: Real Estate Boss does arson against other real estate companies. A woman gave birth in a Hamilton encampment and it was only made public so a city councilor could call for police to have more money. Edmonton police shot a teenage girl who's fighting with her younger sister at home. Five members of the 2018 World Juniors team are being summoned to see London police. BC meth is flooding Fiji and destroying the lives of people there. And an unregulated mine in Mali has collapsed, killing more than 70 people. Good morning. It's Thursday, January 25th. I'm Nora, and here are your headlines. Oh my God, there's a lot of news this morning. So let's go. First, a very silly story from Quebec that I can't resist telling you. La Presse is reporting that José Christophe Fola, the president of the real estate company Sutton Quebec, has been arrested for arson. Hugo Janca reports that the 70-year-old was involved in fires that burned the offices of REMAX Bonjour in saint Sauvard and Royal LePage Humania in Saint-Thérèse. The fires happened between 2017 and 2022. Two other men have been charged as well. Real estate's doing arson, man. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay. next to news that matters more. The CBC's Samantha Beatty is reporting that a baby was born in a Hamilton encampment, something that council member Matt Francis said he saw because he was hosted by Hamilton police doing something called a ride along. These are offered all the time to politicians so that they can see the real hard work of being a cop in the middle of the night. Well, in this case, Francis saw the real hard work of being homeless and pregnant. The police were called to an encampment for a medical emergency, and Francis was with them and so when they got there he saw that a woman had just given birth. She was holding the baby and the umbilical cord was still attached. It was a cold morning in late November when this happened. Francis said that the baby and mother were taken by paramedics and seeing this affected him deeply. As the story was an anecdote shared at a council meeting there was no further information in the CBC report about whether or not the mother was given a place to live and help for her child or if your child would be placed into the foster system where a stranger would be given tens of thousands of dollars to raise the baby themselves. Beattie notes that the Hamilton police have asked for $20 million more for their budget for 2024. While it's unclear in the story if Francis directly used this anecdote to support the police budget proposal, Beattie does report that he, quote, said the birth of the encampment exemplifies the difficult situations police officers face on a day-to-day basis, unquote. Francis, by the way, has been opposed to encampments. It takes a special kind of lizard brain to see a woman give birth in these conditions and conclude that it's the police in this scenario who need more money. Like, honestly, man, what the the hell kind of reasoning is that? Francis did say that seeing what he witnessed, quote, speaks to the situation and the need for more affordable housing, unquote. But God, guy, I mean, do you know how much further that $20 million can go if it was not going to the police and was going to support people like this? The city is asking council for $43 million more for shelters, affordable housing programs, and tenant supports. That amount could easily be $64 million if the police budget didn't get increased by $20 million. Next to Edmonton, Post Media is reporting that cops showed up at a family dispute, tased, and then shot a 19-year-old woman. It happened near 64 Avenue and 172nd Street when police received a call that a 19-year-old was fighting with her preteen sister. Police said that, quote, a weapon was involved, unquote. No word on whether it was a cannon, a water gun, a machete, or someone's sharp tongue, or what exactly that means. I mean, or, you know, they could obviously be lying too, but this is from the police. The teen who was shot was injured with serious, though not life-threatening injuries. The province's police watchdog is investigating. Now, as it looked like this article was sourced from the cops, I went to the website of the Edmonton Police to check out how different this article was from the police release. And surprise, it isn't at all different. Not one bit. It's just direct cop information lifted by Postmedia. Some of it is in quotations. Some of it's not in quotations. It is barely paraphrased, but it would get probably like a 95 percent plagiarism report if you put it in through plagiarism detection software. Okay, next to hockey news. Five members of the World Junior Hockey Team in 2018 have been, quote, told to surrender to London, Ontario police, unquote. They face sexual assault charges. The first report came from Robin Doolittle and Rachel Brady at the Globe and Mail. The story has been widely reported before. There was a Hockey Canada fundraising gala in June 2018. The team won that year's World Juniors, and they were being honoured as a result after there was allegedly an incident where five players sexually assaulted one woman in a hotel room. London police had investigated and found no basis to lay charges in February 2019. But the story hit the media again and police reopened the case in 2022. Now why did it hit media again? Well the woman who was assaulted filed a lawsuit against Hockey Canada, the Canadian Hockey League and eight unnamed players, not five. She sought. $3.55 $3.55 million in damages. Her allegations are pretty brutal. She said that what started as a consensual sexual encounter with one person turned into seven people entering the room, recording her and subjecting her to sexual assault. She was humiliated and terrified. Hockey Canada, quote, quietly settled the lawsuit, igniting a national firestorm, unquote, report Doolittle and Brady. You'll remember that there was money set aside for other things and Hockey Canada quietly settled this lawsuit for some unknown amount of money and that brought in the federal government and federal sports regulators and blah, blah, blah. Doolittle and Brady note that the players are only facing charges. They haven't actually been charged yet. They've, quote, been given a set period of time to present themselves at London police headquarters, unquote. Now, let us remember how folks who were charged with throwing red paint on the windows of an indigo store in Toronto were treated. Pre-dawn raids. They were in bed. None of this, oh, here is your scheduled appointment to be arrested. Or let's also consider Dr. Tarek Lubani, who was arrested and held overnight by police for charges related to allegedly spraying ketchup on the office of an MP. And in the case of Dr. Lubani, that was in London, the exact same police division that we're dealing with here. But remember, the privileges afforded to hockey kids aren't just because they play our national sport. It's because they are the epitome of every myth on which Canada is built. And if they want to do a little bit of sexual assault, you should just hope that the person that they choose hasn't the courage to launch a multi-million dollar lawsuit against your organization, blowing the whistle on your abuse, that then forces the police to undo the decision they already did and actually charge your assaulters. Military news now from the Ottawa citizens, David Poulasey. After filing an access to information request to find out how much money Canada's new warship program is costing, Ken Rubin, quote, pretty much got nearly 1,700 blank pages, unquote. Rubin is a master filer of access to information on things related to the military. This secrecy is related to a program that is costing a lot of money, $80 billion. And Rubin and Poulisi make the note that this level of, of secrecy is unprecedented. The warships are being built by Irving. Bill Blair, Minister of National Defence, said that he expects that his department will comply with requests for information when asked. Fifteen warships will be built as part of the program called the Canadian Surface Combatant Project. Here is Pulezi. quote, critics have labeled the CSC project, the largest single purchase in Canadian history, as a bottomless money pit with little accountability or oversight. Since the construction contract has yet to be signed, they have called for the project to be halted or at least reviewed. Palazzi has been battling gag orders on information related to this program for years. Public Service and Procurement Canada directed companies that wanted to do maintenance work on the program to not talk to any journalists if they asked. All comment had to be referred to the procurement office. When the citizen reported on it, the department lifted the gag order. And, I am contractually obliged to remind you that $80 billion for a warship program or anything is a hell of a lot of money. $80 billion isn't just a million or 10 million or 100 million. It's 100 hundred millions. And we have a right to know how this is being spent. So kudos, of course, to Ken Rubin for the work that he's been doing on that. And as always, Pulezi for telling us what the military doesn't want us to know. Next, veteran reporter Kim Bolin with the Vancouver Sun is in Suva, Fiji, to see just how involved British Columbia is in a drug crisis that is devastating that country. Fewer than one million people live in Fiji. Nolan talks with two women at the start of this feature, both who are sex workers who barely look like they're adults, though they tell Kim they're in their 20s. They use meth. It helps them to stay up for days and work longer. Then that feeds the addiction, as the meth is very expensive. It's manufactured in British Columbia, the United States, and Southeast Asia, and it finds itself in Fiji on its way to New Zealand and Australia. There are more than 300 islands in Fiji, and it's impossible to control what goes in and out of each one. One official Bolin talked to explain that liquid methamphetamine is what comes from Canada. It arrives with air freight, and then people get access to it. And to give you an idea of the quantities we're talking about here, police found three tons, three tons of meth hidden inside 797 plastic containers. Those were stashed inside of a house. And just a week after that, police found another ton. The citizens of Fiji have been convinced to help the drug traffickers by offering them quantities of meth to use. Now, this article is from a series of articles that you can check out if you want to read more about Boland's investigation. They're all at the Vancouver Sun. And finally, the Associated Press is reporting that an unregulated gold mine in Mali collapsed and more than 70 people have been killed as a result. Search and rescue is still happening, so that number could rise. There were some 100 people in the mine when it collapsed. Now, unregulated mines are pretty common in Mali, though it's a bit surprising it's so big that 100 people could have been working in it. They are called artisanal mines. Actually, and are common not just in Mali but in other parts of the world where gold mining is present. The Associated Press reports that it is also common for these artisanal mines to be accused of ignoring safety measures. Gold mining underpins much of Mali's economy. Gold accounted for 80% of Mali's exports in 2021, and 10% of Malians rely on the sector for income. About 6% of Mali's gold comes from some 300 artisanal mines. Those are your headlines for Thursday, January 25th. I'm Nora. You're listening to this podcast at sandynora.com, on the Real News Network podcast feed, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Hope you have a wonderful Thursday. My God, tomorrow's Friday. You almost made it. I'll talk to you then.